Coach, this is season four of this podcast, and I'm so excited to be hosting an awesome giveaway for you. You can win a $50 Amazon gift card and your choice of a Yeti tumbler or a Yeti mug. And all you have to do is screenshot this episode and share it in your Instagram stories. Tag me at Buzzing with Miss B and you'll be entered to win. I'll choose a winner by the week of February 20th. So make sure you've shared your episode by then. This is going to help so many people find this podcast and help me continue to do the work that I'm doing today. So I really appreciate your participation and good luck. I'm going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I'm telling everyone about the 40-hour work week with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find on average 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching to create the 40 hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40 hour week and get your time back. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast, and I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Welcome back to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. It's me, your host, Chrissy Beltran, and I am so excited that you're here today. You guys, it is season four of this podcast. Season four? That's wild. Over the last few years, I have shared 132 episodes with you. Two of them were bonus episodes in the early pandemic, and so I added those on. Um, we've talked about everything from how to run your life and using technology to working with teams of teachers and planning professional development. We've covered so much, but we all know as coaches that we're never done learning and we're never done problem solving, <laughs> unfortunately. And so we're about to embark on a very special season of the podcast. And here's what makes it special. Every single episode topic and or guest came from a request, question, or challenge that you said that you have as a coach. I actually sent out a survey to every single coach on my email list. And if you're not on my emails and you want to get there, go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash dare with a capital D and you'll get a free webinar. Plus you'll start to get my emails full of helpful tips and ideas. And you'll know when podcast episodes come out. I went through all of the responses from this survey. It was a ton of responses. And I put together all of the questions and challenges and requests on sticky notes. And then I started sorting them into categories. I pulled together topics that were kind of related, some of them into stacks that would make up one episode and then some into sets that would make a series of episodes uh, like the one we're about to start today. The biggest collection of stickies that I that I received in the survey, this of, of question of responses and challenges 
is one set that I categorized as the human side of coaching, which might sound silly because obviously we are coaching humans and we are also humans. We're not coaching hummingbirds or something. Um, But when it comes to working with teachers and administrators, you know, in schools and kids, sometimes we get really caught up in how to do all the stuff, how to do the PLCs, what to teach, what does a coaching cycle need to have in it? How do I create an agenda? And all of those things are important and necessary that we learn how to do them and do them well. But floating beneath all of those things is this one idea and it's humanity. We are humans and we're coaching humans to teach little humans and some of them, not so little, some of them (laughs) pretty big. So let me tell you how exhausting that is, right? Because the humanity part is the part that wears us out. There's one thing that we know that we're going to deal with and it's feelings. We can't just come in and say, this is the way you do it. Let's get a move on everybody, you know, take your checklist and go back to your class and get started. It doesn't work that way. So last set, last season, the month of February, the first month of the season was devoted to all the feels. So we talked about feelings that coaches deal with, self-care, teacher retention, um, how to, to manage your own emotions, all of, all of these ideas. And it was a good start in really digging into this topic. But this season, I'm kicking off with a three-month series all about dealing with the humans that we work with. So we're going to talk about relationships, toxic environments, which unfortunately many of us have dealt with or are currently dealing with, communicating with teachers and administrators and mindset, coaching mindset, adult mindset, adult learning, all of it. And we're starting all of it with this episode about imposter syndrome. Before we get started, I do want to share this free webinar with you. I just mentioned it a minute ago. It's the webinar called Dare to Coach. Dare to Coach was a collaboration that Nicole S. Turner and I did uh, with our coffee and coaching sessions. And it really gives you great ideas about how you can get into those classrooms, even if you're feeling like you can't, even if you're feeling uncomfortable, even if you're feeling like the teachers don't want you around, what can you do to dare to actually do your job and get into those rooms? So check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash dare with a capital D, and that'll give you the free webinar and the free download as well. So some people say imposter syndrome is a thing and some people say it isn't. Okay. Um, But to me, that's really irrelevant. Imposter syndrome to me is the feeling that you don't have the authority or the knowledge or the experience or the credibility, whatever it is to be doing what you're doing. You think you should not be doing it, that you have no authority to do it and that other people shouldn't listen to you. And so you're basically always asking yourself, who would listen to me? I I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm just making it up as I go. Okay, here's one little clue. We're all making it up as we go. Right this minute, I'm making it up as I go. I mean, obviously I have notes, but but we're all making up life as we go along. Okay, so that's just kind of underlying everything else. Keep that in mind. Nobody else has it all figured out. So the big problem with this is that we think that no one should listen to us and that comes out in the way that we interact. So if any of this resonates with you, if you have felt like, why? how can I coach fourth grade? I never taught fourth grade. How can I coach uh, government? I never taught government. How can I coach anybody? I wasn't a perfect teacher. I want you to take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram. Tag me at buzzing with Miss B. So if you have any, if at any moment you're like, oh, this is exactly what I need to hear or this is exactly how I feel. I want you to tag it and share it so we can hear it, uh, hear from you. So where does imposter syndrome come from? I'm really going to dig in to this topic. And I know this, this season, I'm going to try to focus on getting the episode shorter because that was some of the feedback that I got was that you really like 30 minute episodes. But this one, 
I don't know how long it's going to take me because this is huge. Imposter syndrome can come from anywhere. And as coaches, we're bringing our humanity with us. We take it with us when we go to work every day. And everything that's in us from the first day that we start coaching is front and center in our coaching work because coaching is so human and personal. And that's what I meant about the human side of coaching. Coaching has so much to do with what's inside, not so much what we do, which is we focus on the what we do, but what's inside is so important. We have issues sometimes that affect our self-image as well. And they have nothing to do with the person that they're coaching. They're about us projecting these issues out because they're coming from the inside. So many of us arrive on the job with low self-confidence. Maybe we have some beliefs about our own abilities and what we deserve and all sorts of feelings about how we are perceived. We think we know how people see us, which I can guarantee we are always wrong. (laughs) Being a coach puts you under the microscope. And so all of your perceived flaws, everything that you think is wrong, is put on display for everybody to see. And it can feel like teachers scrutinize you looking for your failings and limitations. And some of them do, but most of them don't. Most of them are just trying to do their own job. In addition to all of this, I I personally believe this is a huge issue. The teaching profession is largely made up of women who are really the boots on the ground. But as you move up in rank, you start to see more of a male presence, even in elementary school. As a teacher, I worked with five male teachers. We had about 50 or 60 teachers on campus, and five of them were men. Two of those men were PE coaches, and one of them was an administrator. So two of them were teachers. Out of the four administrators I had as a teacher, half of them were men. This might not seem like a big deal, and it's just obviously my own personal experience and anecdote, but many, many people who are not men are not empowered in this field, and they're not empowered in many fields in the way that men are, and this can lead to a feeling of inadequacy, especially when it comes to working with male administration or teachers. You kind of feel like maybe you don't have um, the, the right or the ownership to speak up. You can feel like you need to be in your place. Many teachers also don't get into this field expecting to move up. And I actually hadn't planned to leave the classroom the year that I accepted a position as an instructional coach. Um, And you can listen to my story back in episode one, Meet the Coach. I talk all about what happened if you're curious about this. Um, But I did accept the position and I found myself in this new role on a leadership team. And that may have happened to you. Some teachers who become coaches feel like they don't deserve it or they feel like sellouts or like they went to the dark side. I don't know if you heard that before. Um, And teachers might even make that comment to you. And I know I've heard those things. I've heard things like coaches are teachers who couldn't make it in the classroom. I've actually been told this online um, by people responding to some coaching posts that I made. So I know what you're dealing with still. Teachers also have spent 95% of their time with kids. And then suddenly they're asked to support adults. It's a really stressful change. And nobody actually prepares you for making that move. Um, The most... I don't know. The only piece of advice really I got was grow a thick skin, which wasn't super helpful. Um, It's not that it was wrong. It just was like not what I needed to do to prepare to be a coach. So here's another big reason that coaches have imposter syndrome. They haven't taught the things that they're coaching. A lot of people in the survey that I sent out wrote in with this predicament. They feel really inadequate because they're supporting coaches or they're supporting teachers in doing things that they have not done, that they have not done themselves. 
So whenever we think about all these factors, it's not that shocking that a lot of coaches feel inadequate to the job or like they're not up to the challenge or that people are going to think that they're not able to do it. So let's talk a little bit about how this affects us. Why is it so important that we we work through this? Well, everything that's in us comes out one way or another. And maybe that sounds weird. But what I mean is that when we have a feeling of inadequacy or low self-confidence or poor self-image in our coaching work, we show it to other people. The colleagues, the kids, admin, they see it and it comes out in surprising ways. So maybe the way that it comes out in you is that you cling to what you know instead of trying new things. You stick to what's comfortable. Maybe you're silent during meetings or maybe you defer to everybody else's idea because you think that your idea is not going to work because what do you know anyway? And then, you know, another way it comes out is maybe, and I can speak from experience on this one, you avoid primary classrooms because you never taught below third grade and you feel uncomfortable coaching in those classrooms when you haven't done it yourself. That was, that was me. When a teacher points out something that you haven't done well or something you did incorrectly, sometimes we can shut down. And this gives teachers, the ones who are maybe looking to not be super nice, this gives them leverage. They love it. So if there's a few who are excited to shut you down, we don't want to give them that that tool to use, right? So then what do we do about it? How do we overcome this thing whenever it shows up in the way that we live our lives? Well, the first thing that we really need to do is realize that as coaches, your job is not to know everything. It's really easy to fall into that trap, and I know I have, but coaches who have all the answers all the time aren't really coaching. They're just telling We're just telling all the teachers what they should do and what they could do, but we're not really coaching them to think or to try something different. And it's really not impactful either. Coaching doesn't mean that you know, it means that you help teachers figure things out so that they can grow their kids. I've heard from a lot of teachers that they don't want to be coached by someone who has taught fewer years than them or who hasn't taught the subject or grade that they teach. And I know that obviously having taught those grades and those, those, those subject areas, it's super helpful in your coaching work because you know what you're walking into. You have an idea of best practices and content and strategies. It's really helpful. But while I do believe teachers shouldn't be put into a coaching position before they've had at least seven or eight years of teaching, um, because I believe we're setting people up for failure and for imposter syndrome (laughs) and they haven't had the time they need to grow, that is not the only thing that prepares you to be a coach, you know? If you're a coach in a coaching position who has taught for less time than many of your teachers, I'm not saying that you should leave. I mean, if you feel like you need more experience, go back to the classroom and get it and then become a coach again. You can absolutely do that. But if you are a teacher, a coach who has not taught teachers for as long as maybe they have taught, realize that credibility doesn't only come from having experience. I've worked with plenty of administrators who have taught the grade that I'm teaching. And honestly, it's irrelevant because my classroom doesn't work like theirs did. One administrator once told me, um, you know, I was a good teacher, but what you're doing is miles beyond what I was doing. Does that mean that she couldn't be a good AP? It really doesn't. Her job was not to come teach my class. Her job was not absolutely to teach my class. Her job was to do a completely different set of tasks as your job as a coach is. It's not to go teach all those classes, although you will model and co-teach and work alongside the teacher. But your job is not to walk in there on day one and teach a class. Your job is to support the teacher in growing. You don't have to have taught the grade of the content to do that. We get really hung up on these things and they do matter to a degree, but in the long run, having taught fourth grade didn't mean that every fourth grade teacher that I worked with loved what I had to say. They still found lots of reasons to dismiss my experience. Things like, and these are quotations, you haven't taught these kids. The kids in this part of town are different 
And then one of my favorites was such a weird one. My room is too small for these ideas. But what was funny is that whenever our schools were built, the school that I taught at and the school that I coached at, they were actually built using the same blueprints. So our classrooms were literally the exact same size. So it's still they try to dismiss. I have the exact same classroom and that was not a reason. That was a reason to dismiss my some suggestion that I made. When I started coaching, I was really hesitant to work with primary grades. I taught third and fourth grade. You can learn more about that, like I mentioned in episode one. And I felt that the primary teachers wouldn't need what I had to offer. They were actually assigned to a different person for their coaching support when I first started because the need in the upper grades was so great. Um, But over time, I could see they were not getting what they needed. And so I started to work with them more during PLC and I visited classrooms and I learned more about the programs that they used. You know, I'd go to foundations trainings and language acquisition trainings for primary grades and I'd help them apply what we learned. And one of the biggest mistakes that I made as a new coach was letting my lack of primary experience hold me back. If I could do it over, I absolutely would jump in and say, look, I don't have primary experience. So I'm going to spend as much time with you all as I can learning as I go instead of avoiding the classrooms. It's important that we don't misrepresent ourselves and that we're honest about who we are, but that shows that learning can happen no matter where you are in your career. We don't want to pretend that we already know or that we, you know, we don't want to lie about not having the experience, but we do need to show, hey, I'm a learner just like you and I'm going to try new things and I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to experiment and I'm learning. That's what we want from teachers, right? So if we can do that, if we can do that in ourselves, then teachers can slowly buy into that. Okay, and then there's one more thing to this point, and I think it's super duper important. No teacher is an expert at everything that they do. None of them. Not even your teacher who's been teaching, like my daughter's teacher, for 37 years. I'm not lying. I don't know how she has done it. <laughs> this woman must be amazing um, because that's a long time to be teaching, right? So there are new grades, new curriculum, new programs, new tests. There are new kids even with different needs. And this happens all the time. Always there's something new. You couldn't be an expert in all of the things, no matter how long you taught. So take what you know, keep learning and help teachers apply it to their teaching. So that's kind of my first, my first thing is, you know, be aware of all of these things that our mindset is really important. So my second thing that I want to do is help you change your self-talk. And this is obviously easier said than done. Changing our self-talk involves being aware of the things that we say to ourselves and then correcting them every time. So the really hard part about changing our self-talk is that a lot of that self-talk came was developed from when we were children and young people. So it's the voice of the parent making fun of you for moving too slowly or the voice of the kid who thought you were wearing weird clothes. So many of these negative voices actually become our own internal self-talk. The way that we talk to ourselves comes from all these negative influences sometimes, which obviously we, that's not healthy, right? That's not, that, that our inner voice should not be the voice of criticism all the time. So how can we change the way that we talk to ourselves when we don't even realize that we're doing this? Well, first we have to notice what we say. When you're in a conversation with a teacher or getting ready for work or sitting in a PLC, what's going on in your head? So you really have to notice it. If you're anything like me, it's something like, ugh, today I have such and such to do and Miss so-and-so is going to be there and she's probably going to, ugh, right? <laughs> and all of that is like fortune telling. It's predicting a truly terrible experience. Even if we've had terrible experiences with these people before, we really don't know how the day's going to go, right? 
Um, think about your the Snoop Dogg affirmation song. It's very good. And I recommend listening to it as you get ready for work. Listen to it with your kids. It's a great kid song, but it's really good for adults too, because these affirmations are important. They say today is going to be an amazing day. There's no one better to be than myself. Right? <laughs> it's, just, it's fantastic. Anyway, that was an aside. Um, I have found that having this internal dialogue of negativity on PLC days and when I know I have a meeting coming up or with a teacher that I'm not excited to work with or whatever, I, I've found that I have these negative thoughts and then they permeate the day. I'm, I'm looking for evidence of confirmation. It's that confirmation bias, right? This is what we think is going to happen. So I'm going to find evidence. I'm going to search for it, even if it's not the big picture. And the truth is those thoughts aren't just going to go away. Even if you listen to positive affirmations and you really try, we're going to have automatic negative thoughts. A therapist I know calls them ants. And because we've had them and practiced them our whole lives, that internal dialogue, they're, they're going to swim in our brains, right? They're going to be there. But what we can do is start to respond to them differently. I don't believe in saying things that are overly positive or unrealistic. Um, I don't think that's helpful to anybody. But we can start to add in self-talk that isn't negative. Instead, we can focus on reality. So one, we can state facts. We can say, I have a meeting today about such and such. I miss so-and-so will be there. I do not know how she will react. I don't know. She might be great. She might have a hard time. Her having a hard time is not a reflection on me. It's a response to the task at hand based on her experience. And the second thing we can do is have a positive plan. If she does have a hard time, I can say this or I can do this. Basically, every time we start engaging with this negative self-talk, we can state the facts and have a positive action plan of what we're going to do. I'm a firm believer in positive action can change your your whole mood and your whole um, way of looking at things. My third strategy for changing the way that you feel about yourself as a coach is that we need to have a positive coaching statement that can help us put things in their right place and really gear up for those days that we know are going to be extra challenging, which unfortunately are many. <laughs> Um, so this is one statement that I have used. We could say, I am a coach. I am not an administrator and I am not a classroom teacher. I'm here to support teachers and I approach my work with honesty and humility. I have good intentions and I have to believe that teachers do too. I believe every child deserves a great teacher and I'm here to help their teachers grow and learn. I don't have all the answers and I don't need to. I can have the right questions. And I can be courageous in asking them. Being courageous is such an important way to coach. And it's such an important way to overcome imposter syndrome. We have to change the way that we talk to ourselves. We have to change the way that we see our role. We have to change the way that we approach our, our coaching work in terms of having courage and being humble and vulnerable. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay not to have the answers. It's actually helpful. <laughs> It's important to be courageous and brave and to offer the support to people who might turn you down. We don't like rejection. Nobody does. But that doesn't mean that we can't try. If nothing else, people can say that I tried, even if I failed. And it's better to have tried. And that way that person knows that you tried with them than to never try. And they think lots of reasons that are probably incorrect for the reason that you have not approached them. So come up with your positive affirmation statement, something that can help you reframe your day, reframe your work, 
and put it on your notebook or put it on your mirror or on your car or wherever you need it to be to help you remember it every day that you can do this work, that you are made for this work, that there's a reason that you're in this position. And when a teacher says to you, as one said to me online, coaches are failed teachers, you can think to yourself, honey, I was a darn good teacher and I choose to be a coach every single day. I did not get placed in this position to pull me out of the classroom. I chose it. I chose it just like I chose being a teacher. This work is important and I'm here to do it. So anybody who is going to get in your way will realize that you're there with good intentions and you walk with a sense of purpose. I actually heard something really interesting once. I was taking a um, confirmation class at, uh, I'm I'm a Catholic and I was taking a confirmation class at our Catholic church. And the speaker was, um, uh, at the time he was Bishop Barron. Now I think he's Cardinal or something. And uh, he said something about humility and that we think that humility is, oh, no, you, you go ahead. Oh, sure. No, you're probably right. No, that's true. That's true. And he said humility has nothing to do with your nature being like subservient. Humility lies in knowing your purpose and doing what you need to do to accomplish that purpose and just not having ego about it. And he talked about Mother Teresa, that he knew no more humble person, but he also knew no person with a greater sense of purpose, that she was one, like had a single track mind, that she knew exactly what she was trying to accomplish and that she was accomplishing it with humility because she wasn't there to brag or to build herself up. She was there to do the work that needed to be done and whatever it took, that's what she was going to do. And that's how she de- demonstrated her humility because she had such a strong sense of purpose. I love that. I think about that a lot. Whenever you have a strong sense of purpose, nothing is going to get in your way. So as you're thinking about your positive statement that you can create for yourself, think about what is your purpose? What are you trying to accomplish here? What is the meaning that you find in your work every day? Even if it's a small thing, you look at the kids and you say, you deserve better. And you look at the teachers and you say, and you deserve better, right? You look at the parents and you say, you deserve better for your families. You look at this country and you say, we deserve better. We have to decide what our purpose is every day. And sometimes we need to write it down and remind ourselves whenever we get stuck in all the little how-tos and all the little getting through all the the icky stuff that we don't really want to do, we have to remind ourselves, why are we here? What's the point? Write it down, stick it somewhere you're going to see it and remind yourself every single day because what you do matters, coach. Okay, so to close this episode, I actually want to share something. I'm I'm starting a favorite things piece of the podcast and somebody actually sent in in the survey, can you add in something fun or special every episode? It can it, she was like I don't know what it could be. A favorite book, recommendation, whatever you want. And I thought I really like that. Um because I love to hear about what people what things people love, whether it's a movie or a book or Maybe they are loving a product or a podcast or an activity that they've picked up, like, you know, cross-stitching or something. So this is my favorite thing right now. My favorite current thing is my Harney and Sons hot cinnamon spice tea. I actually got, I have to tell you, why why am I telling you the origin story of this tea? (laughs) Harney and Sons um, hot cinnamon spice tea. The first time I had it was when I went to visit my friend, Laura, in North Carolina and Laura has a is the one who actually did episode 100 with me on this podcast. She asked me questions. It was a really fun one. If you want to go back and check it out, you can. 
So I actually taught Laura's son whenever he was in the fourth grade. And then later, Laura became my student teacher and my good friend. So Laura took me to this really cute little tea shop when she lived in North Carolina and I visited her and I tried this hot cinnamon spice tea. And then after that, I came home and I kept trying to find something similar and I couldn't find anything that was the same. Everything was too bland. It wasn't hot and spicy enough. And so I actually went online to that little coffee, that little tea house and I ordered the cinnamon, cinnamon spice tea. And then whenever they closed, I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get my tea? So I sent a message to the owner or to the coffee, the tea shop. And I said, how can I get this tea? And they said, you know, um, you can actually order it wholesale online. And this is a link. So they sent me to Harney Incense. And that's where I buy my tea now in massive bags. So anyway, my favorite thing is Harney Incense, hot cinnamon spice tea. I'm not an affiliate. I just love it. Um, next week, we are actually talking with somebody you loved from the last season of the podcast. Becca Silver is, I was um, on episode, let's see, 112, I think. And, or maybe not. Becca Silver, on 115. She was on episode 115 and she was talking about transformational coaching. And she was such a terrific guest that I wanted to bring her on again. I'm chatting with her about growth mindset in coaching. And I want you to think about if we're approaching coaching with a fixed mindset, with our own fixed mindsets, it can make it hard to see the good intent in teachers, which we just talked about in our, our positive affirmation statement, right? It can make it really hard to see the good intent in teachers and that makes it impossible to coach them. So what I want you to do is join me next week to learn about what we can do to employ a growth mindset in coaching and go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash dare with a capital D to grab that free webinar to learn how you can dare to coach. And until next week, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.